Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. And welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Well Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music as we launch a, a brand new week. And it is finally here. It is election week, general election in the Magnolia State. Rhino, how about it? We made it. <laughs> We have less so, than 24 hours away from the polls opening. Man, that is incredible. The buildup has been riveting. <laughs> we get ready to go to the polls. Folks, get out and vote. Can't vote absentee now, can you? Too late. But, uh, isn't that right? In person. In you person. can still mail in your absentee ballot, it ballot, if you have it in hand. It must be postmarked. By tomorrow, have have tomorrow's date on it, and we count them until when? The fifteenth, is that right? That's correct. As long as it's postmarked by election day, they will finish counting those by the fifteenth. Okay. Well, uh, and before anybody gets their hackles up and thinks that's stealing an election, or no, it's when you're looking at numbers that small, you're really just putting icing on the cake. Yeah, it's very rare that the total number of absentee ballots swings even a percentage point one way or the other. That's right. Um, certainly not in a state You're just such making as sure all votes are counted as long as they were cast legally. That's right. Uh, in a state like ours in particular where most folks, honestly, head to the polls, vote in person on election day. It's not like some states where I think there's at least one, is it Washington or Oregon, where they only vote by mail. I don't even think they have elections like we do, where you go to a precinct and cast your ballot. I think I'm right about that. Check it out if you can. We got Jeremy England. He is a Mississippi senator from District 51. That's down there on the coast. He serves as the vice chair of the Senate Judd B. Committee. He'll come on at 11.05 today and share his thoughts on tomorrow's election across the Magnolia State. No excuse for the weather, that's for sure, to not uh, get out and vote because the weather is absolutely stupendous here in the state of Mississippi. Beautiful. No I hope doubt. he didn't put up the shorts and T-shirts just yet. Yeah, exactly. I noticed you're donning your shorts today, right? 
high of mid uh, low to mid 80s i think oh, yeah. in central mississippi so um i'm not upset about that it's absolutely beautiful out there. We're going to be on the road this week as and well. And the sun will be down at 5. That's true. It gets dark. I noticed the clock in the building here as one enters the main entrance. The clock where the, the grandfather clock. No, not that one. Before you get to that area. The one where the guards uh, okay, I got greet you. visitors. The one on the wall. I always check that just to make sure what time it is. It has yet to be moved back. Probably be a little while. Yeah, on that one, <laughs> it'll be like my my microwave clock, my <laughs> oven clock. It's easy. I hit a button, hit another button, changes the clock. <laughs> my microwave, for all of its fanciness, yeah, it's not really that fancy. It was a little El Cheapo. Looks kind of retro. Got a little turn dial thing on it and four buttons. Well, there's a combination of those four buttons that you have to push in a certain sequence, and then turn it. <laughs> counterclockwise to get it to start blinking the numbers. Then you turn it clockwise to change the numbers. It's like, why is this so complicated? You have to hold your breath, stand on one toe and all that, under your legs and all that kind of stuff to make sure you got everything right. Not yeah. Nothing's as easy as my car. My car literally just <laughs> tap the clock and then hit a button and it ticks it down. Well, I'm going to walk. You, you reminded me of something. I'm going to walk down memory lane here a bit. Uh, in the days of PCs, prior to graphical user interfaces, a lot of people have no idea that there was such a thing. Back in the Dawson Unix days. That is correct. And uh, the old original PCs, that long before Windows, Windows was created, it was character-based user interfaces. And uh, one of the most popular, if not the most popular, word processing application at the time was from a company called Word Star. Word Star. And because it wasn't a graphical user interface, you would have these keystroke combinations uh, for certain functions. You know, I can still remember, it makes no sense, but Control-G was delete. No idea why it was Control-G. And, and I've never been able to figure out. I've never found any underlying logic for why would you make control g the delete key well some of the more, more obscure functions required like multiple keystroke combinations i describe those as toes nose and elbows what it finger twister exactly uh you know the governor's race here is pretty high profile deal uh top of the ticket you might have heard about it yeah exactly well, the Hill, I would say that it's one of the most prominent politically oriented publications in these United States. It's picked up on it, the race here. Published an article yesterday that I caught entitled, Democrats Seek Upset in Mississippi Governor's Race. I don't think there's going to be an upset. I do think it's going to be relatively close the question is might we see a runoff i hope not personally and we've learned we verified this morning in communication with secretary of state michael watson that the runoff traditionally two weeks after an election should there be the need for a runoff post that 
that election. In uh, in this situation, is three weeks correct on November the twenty eighth, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving instead of the Tuesday before, before Thanksgiving. And so I haven't asked, but and, and Secretary of State Watson will be on with us as he typically is tomorrow on Election Day, and we'll run that question by him. Don't let me forget that. But I suspect it's because of the holiday. I think that is to accommodate those who travel and uh, and and just not to have all that going on in the same week makes perfect sense to me. So, twenty eighth, that means three weeks of more of campaigning. Should there be a need? Should there be a need? I really it, don't think we're going to get there. I don't either. There's been a bunch of money spent on this election. You've probably seen it. Uh, looks like it's up around eighteen, nineteen million bucks now. Relative to other large states, that's not a lot. A state like this, with three million people, that's a bunch of money. I'm not sure I've seen that much spent in another race. U.S. Senate races typically is where you'll see the most money spent on a national basis. And I, I'm recalling the some recent Senate races, like in Florida, especially in in states where they're close. Texas, uh, those ran up. Uh, Georgia, last time, those ran up into the $120, $130 million for a, for a Senate race. So, so if you're tired of the campaign ads in the Magnolia State, could you imagine what it was like <laughs> over in the Peach State? Woo, man. Yeah. Tenfold number of ads. (laughs) No doubt about it. Of course, we had the one and only debate last Wednesday featuring our governor, Tate Reeves, and the Democratic challenger, Brandon Presley. And I think it was kind of what you would expect. I know we discussed this somewhat on Friday and Uh, Ash Edwards was in Thursday when I was out discussing it as well. Also, we're going to have some election night coverage tomorrow, right, here on Super Talk. And we should inform the folks, Rhino, that we've got some new really cool tools that the team will be using to keep... Interactive, up-to-the-second maps and information. Really neat. I mean, such that I believe these tools will... We'll get the information to you before you will see it available anywhere else, honestly, based on uh, this investment and, and this uh, agreement we have. So that's going to really enhance. Basically, we have access to the information that everybody you normally would hear the information from reads it off of. That's absolutely true. And we're giving it to you. That's going to be cool. Richard Cross going to be in hosting tomorrow night to give Paul and I a bit of a break because we'll be all over it on Wednesday as you can imagine, and we look forward to that. I think he may have Henry Barber in as well to talk to him. we got some other folks lined up. So it's going to be a big night, a big day, big night. The weather is going to be perfect. Get out there and vote. We are kicking off a brand-new week in the Element Well studio. We're coming back at you. Don't forget Senator Jeremy England at 1105. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
The renowned Pink Floyd bumping us into this segment here of a Middays. We appreciate you hanging in there with Rhino and me as we kick off a brand new week. It's election week across the Magnolia State. Rhino, tell the folks uh, where they can see their ballot in advance for tomorrow at the Secretary of State's website. Uh, yeah, yeah, all you got to do is go to sos.ms.gov. I'm going to it right now with you. On the splash page there, you'll see a banner with Secretary of State Michael Watson, and right underneath where he's sitting on the banner, you got a little button that says My Election Day with a calendar icon. Pretty cool. You click on that takes you to everything you need to know. You just put in your zip code and your address. It'll confirm it and give you all the data you need. Well, you remember in the primary, it took a few clicks to navigate through the site to get there. And we we uh, we requested uh, the Secretary of State's office to just put a button right there on the splash page. We got it. How about that? So it's pretty easy now. You just go to the Secretary of State's website, and you can't miss it. Button right there. Take it to it. You've got to enter your address, and the system has to find your address. So give it a second there, but it'll pop it up, and then boom, there's the details that you need to cast your ballot, including the ability to view the ballot itself. It will tell you where you're supposed to go vote, etc. So good information there. Courtesy of the Secretary of State. We and appreciate a little that. trick for you. Yep. If you are having a hard time getting your address to come up, turn the caps lock on. Because I think the computer they're pulling the data from doesn't have case sensitive. I think it's all uppercase. Yeah. So that might make it a little quicker for you. You may be right. Okay. Thank you for that little bit of, of uh, pro tip there, as we'll call it. Uh, yesterday, I should point out, was my lovely wife's birthday. I got two in the same week. My daughter, you recall, November the 1st, last Wednesday, and then Julie, yesterday, the 5th. So we're going to celebrate both tonight, have a little dinner. There you go. Yeah, looking forward to that. And then tomorrow, we shall head on down to the governor's watch party. Looking forward to that as well. On the C Spire text line, let's see, somebody asked what could trigger a runoff, and that um, that would be required if no candidate receives 50% plus one of the votes, I believe, is the standard, is the requirement to win outright an election. And the only reason this is even, the only, uh, yeah, reason this is even possible is because we have a candidate, I believe it's Miss Gwendolyn Gray. Is that correct, Rhino? The name of the other candidate that will appear on the ballot. And that's uh, because of the timing of her withdrawal from the race. Too late to change the ballot. Once it's been out published and Secretary of State's notified, essentially, the citizens, here's going to be, here's who's going to be on the ballot. You can't just pull it off, even if she withdraws. So she'll be on the ballot. And obviously the only reason we even have the possibility of a runoff is if she garners any votes. If she doesn't receive a vote, somebody's going to win, mathematically speaking. But if it's very close of the two candidates who are still in the race and she pulls off some, there is a possibility 
though I would say it's rather remote, yeah. of a runoff. If Miss Gray had had more of a presence in the run-up to the election, if she had been garnering more support than she she was able to gather, and if she hadn't endorsed either of the, the two candidates left, I think you'd be looking at a better chance of a runoff. But with limited support from a, a, a voting block and the fact that she's endorsed Brandon Presley, I just don't see her getting that many votes. Agree. The only reason I think she would receive any is if you have some who want to just go to the the uh, uh, the precinct and cast a ballot for neither. Like I'm, I don't want either of these folks, so I'm just going to poke you both in the eye, almost a spike boat, if you will, and vote for the third candidate in the race. That that, that would be the only way. So I'm I'm going to predict. 51 for the governor, 51%, and 48% for the contender on the Democratic side, meaning 1% to her. I don't even think it's that close. It probably won't be. Okay. That's, uh, I'm, being, I'm being conservative, I feel like, with my, uh, my prediction. But um, I, I could also see a, a 53 sort of percent deal. I could see that as well. 53, 45, 46. could see that. Uh, but we shall see. We're going to know tomorrow. I know that I, I um, try to keep up with the candidates and their whereabouts and their, their schedules. And uh, that includes for the Democrat challenger, Brandon Presley. I receive all their email communication from the campaign itself and then from the Democrat Party. They seem to be working in concert. And I noted, Rhino, Mr. Presley has a very busy schedule today. It looks like that he's going to be all over the place. And... But does anybody know where he's going to be? Well, he, or is it upon request? It's a location upon request, but I I will share with you. That doesn't feel like a great way to get out the vote on the day before the election. I don't really get that. I don't get the strategy there or the logic of that approach. But I'm looking at it, and this is for today. Starts at 8 a.m. in Macon. Says Mr. Presley will be visiting a Macon small business. And then he heads to... So is it a super-secret meeting, or are they just going to show up at Macon and hope they find somebody willing to say, yeah, you can bring people in? Start knocking on doors. That's what what the upon request makes me think. It's like, is it a super-secret meeting, or are they just winging it and hoping you don't notice? Uh, And then at 10 a.m., which is just past here, says he's somewhere here in Jackson. A Jackson canvas kickoff. Available request is the location. He then heads to Bay St. Louis at 1.30. Uh, a small business, again. And then, let's see, he's in Moss Point, nearby Moss Point. At 3 p.m., that's a meet and greet 
But get this, he's going to be in Iuka at 5 o'clock. Iuka meet and greet. All right, so you're in Moss Point at 3, Iuka at 5. That means you're on a jet. You're not even on a turboprop. You're on a jet. There's no doubt. You're doing north of 500 knots to get there. Look, I'm fine with that, just so you guys will know. Just don't admonish and castigate others who happen to fly by the same mode of transportation. And and the, the left in general just is constantly bashing anyone who ever achieved any degree of success such that they can fly private. Right? Except when it suits them and they benefit from it. It's John Kerry jetting around the world, admonishing people, scolding people about climate change. That's a joke. It's a joke. It's ridiculous. Nobody takes you seriously. When you're contributing more, if that even means anything, honestly, but according to you, carbon output. And you're one flight, then like a whole city or something crazy like that. You know what I'm saying there. But I don't have all the data. But and, Well, neither do they. But. Well, that's true. But I'm not running around that's telling everybody. They, that, that's why they try to get you in the feelings. <laughs> exactly. How dare you? <laughs> uh, just so you know, I'm cool with John Kerry flying around a jet. Just don't tell me that I can't eat meat and stuff like that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, and then Mr. Presley goes to his hometown of Nettleton. That's where he'll wrap up today at 7.15. Now, I've not seen the governor go out and publish his schedule like that. Maybe I'm just not receiving the necessary communication, and I may not be on the list, and that's fine. But I have been noticing that the governor's been all over the dang place. Uh, Saturday, I saw him in the Chancellor Suite at... uh, the Ole Miss game, and then he, I believe he was in Starkville for the Mississippi State game. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert, here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone that's the great tommy shaw on the lead vocals sticks blue collar man <laughs> not a charity case doggone it that's what old tommy's saying there that's a great tune uh on the ceasefire text line we were talking about word star yeah i can't tell you in my early days rhino when I started my company. We were selling WordStar on PCs. And first customers, law firms, as you can imagine. They had more use 
And I set up all these macros so that you would use the toes, nose, and elbows macros to create the formatting for uh, the various document styles they had to use, depending on if it's federal court or state court or, you know, all the various courts, they can't all agree on one. Some legal size paper, some standard, notebook size, didn't really know. But uh, the old word star had a control G was for delete. Robin the Delta says maybe control G meant garbage. Okay. <laughs> That's reasonable. No doubt about it. On the ceasefire text line, the Dems could cheat. Wouldn't be the first time. Nah. That's uh, that's just not uh, an issue, I don't think, whatsoever in this race. Um, I mean, anything is, of course, possible, but I, I'm pretty confident with the election integrity protections and measures we have in the state of Mississippi to ensure that the election is uh, is valid. Inaccurate. I feel pretty good about that. In the meantime, on the national scene, the Democrats are absolutely freaking out. And here's why. In a poll recently run by the New York Times and Siena College, this is published in the New York Times, they, uh, they show that Trump is ahead in five of six swing states. And honestly, these six states, I would categorize as these so-called swing states. They were in 2020. They will be in 24. They include Nevada, Georgia. I believe Nevadans, by the way, Rhino. If I got this right, they do pronounce it Nevada. Because don't a lot of people say Nevada? I think I got that right. The natives say, no, it's Nevada. we got to look at that. I want to make sure we're pronouncing it the way the natives say I could be wrong. I may have it reversed. But I know that the, anytime you say it, if you don't say it right in the, in the presence of a, of a local, of a resident of the Silver State, they'll let you know. Get me, get me right on that one. Then Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So of those six states, get this, Nevada or Nevada, we're going to make sure we got the pronunciation right. Trump leads by 10 points. In Georgia, leads by six. In Arizona, leads by five. In Michigan, five. Pennsylvania, four. Only in Wisconsin does Mr. Trump trail Joe Biden. Now, I think this is the old five-bell alarm or whatever they call it. For the Democrats, I really do, because this is where the elections won and lost. It doesn't matter what happens in the other states; those are in the books. What do you find? I've got a man on the street from local news in Nevada. <laughs> okay, and I think there's confusion even in the states. So <laughs> okay, I'll just let you listen to it. This is uh, from KCLV. Channel 2 News in Nevada. How do you say what state we're in right now? Nevada. What? Nevada. Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) So there's even a little confusion amongst the locals. (laughs) No consensus, is there? (laughs) 
All right. Well, we cleared that up, didn't we? I guess. So, um, but this was not the case, folks, in 2020. In advance of the 2020 cycle, all of these states were favoring Biden. Got to remember the time. It was the COVID stuff. And honestly, Biden was being billed as a moderate and a uniter and all that, the adult in the room and all that crap. Of course, we've now learned he's not. He's a far left wing liberal Democrat. what he is. It's been pulled further to the left. And more importantly, his mental acuity is questionable at best. It just is. It's not, it's not being... I'm not trying to be insulting. It's not the case. But what other conclusion could you make, having observed him for three years? Now, you know as well as I do, Rhino, most – I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people said he won't survive, right, for the term. I always felt like not only is he going to make it, he's going to run again. So now the buzz is that the Democrats at the high level, the party, are – starting to plan a a rather dicey and uncomfortable conversation with the president for the good of the party. We need you to step down and rethink running for re-election. Now the big rumor is, of course, you immediately think, boom, that opens up the door for Kamala and uh, the governor of the state of California Gavin Newsom, who kind of seems like he's positioning himself for it, right? But the sleeper that folks are starting to talk about now is Michelle Obama. And one thing that I have noticed is that Barack Obama has been way more visible in the public square than I can remember. I mean, more so like in the last month than in the prior four years, it seems, He's been weighing in on issues and and uh, just commenting on a lot of different matters, including the situation in Gaza. Uh, Sunday, yesterday, he was on some of the shows talking about that, or at least one show. But we shall see. Uh, Biden carried all of these states, as you well know. I mean, that's how he got elected. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, only because of election fraud and so forth. But here's here's my question today. And by the way, I think we're exactly one year today from Election Day 24. Check me out on that. I want to say that it is November the 6th, 24. Is that true? The 5th. The 5th. That's what I missed. It was yesterday I had that talk. Thank you. That's great. That'll be Julie's birthday on the presidential election day. Won't that be something? So here's the deal. All right, so now we got these polls, and we're going to track these, but I have this feeling unless there are really massive changes in the economy, if there's not some new significant substantial effort to shut down the border, if there's not some resolution to the situation in Ukraine and Gaza, if crime doesn't get under control, I think all of those things are are playing into the hands of a Republican candidate 
and really plaguing Biden and the Democrats. I think these polls stay the same. I'm thinking that if everything is is constant between now and then, which I have no reason to expect it won't be. Now, they could pull a rabbit out of the hat, and we could see interest rates drop and the price of gas drop, and but I, I, that would be a significant pivot on energy policy. And we have these polls that show currently Trump, assuming he's the nominee, up as he is by not by a little, by a lot, honestly. In a swing state, being up six points is a lot. And then he's not elected. Let's say Trump loses those states. Then we will see, no doubt, lots of uh, of cries that the election was stolen, that there was election fraud. But on the other hand, if he wins, which I believe if these polls stayed the same, by this time next year, I think he wins every one of those states consistent with what the polls show. Then what happens to the folks who are just 100% convinced that election fraud is just absolutely rampant? I don't mean by a little, by a lot, as they have contended with respect to 2020. Would it be reasonable to kind of discount that, sort of put that to bed a little bit at that point? Is that not a reasonable thought, at least? I would think Bringing reasonability into politics is dangerous, though. That's true. Pardon me for that. Oh, my gosh. We got Betty in Hattiesburg says, by the way, on the ceasefire text line, do you think Trump endorsing Reeves helps or hurts him? Neither, honestly. I don't think it, especially at such a late hour. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays at 11.05. That would be in the next segment after we bring the news to you at the top of the hour. It's Senator Jeremy England. He'll call in and share his thoughts about tomorrow's election on the ceasefire text line. Mike in Gulfport asks, was this third wheel that dropped her candidacy candidacy a dem? No, an independent, Mike. And think about it. She would not be on the ballot in a general election if she were a Democrat. She would have been defeated uh, Only in Louisiana. Right, when they have totally open elections, and some other states do as well. Uh, there there are no primaries, but in Mississippi there are primaries. Which I did look it up on the mail-in voting. Yep. There are states with automatic mail-in ballots Okay, that include California, Colorado, Hawaii, Nevada, Oregon, Utah, Vermont, Washington, and the District of Columbia. But according to Ballotpedia... Okay. Every single one of those states does have in-person voting available at designated voting centers or polling locations. Okay. But the automatic means everybody that's that's uh, registered gets a ballot. Correct. Mailed to them. They don't have to request it as you do here in Mississippi. That's correct. And that, of course, is where uh, your 
opening up the possibility of fraud, of course, where the person who it was sent to maybe is no longer at that address, they're dead. I mean, a million different reasons. And that's because our voter rolls, honestly, are filled with errors, including in our state. You, you know Secretary of State Michael Watson has advocated for cleanup and got a little progress there, but not where we need to be. And I, so it could be, Rhino, that maybe in one of those states – it's local elections or something less than the bigger elections that are mail-in only. But I, I could be wrong. But I know there's some that are that certainly want it. There's some people in this country that would like to see it all transition to uh, folks that are for radical election reform. They'd like to see it all mail-in. And you could certainly conclude that that's because that opens up the opportunity for more cheating. No doubt about that. But it, that's a long list. I, it started out as one or two that were automatic, but you surprised me. You said Nevada, Colorado. Yes, yeah, uh, pretty much California. the entire western seaboard plus Nevada, Utah, Colorado. And then you've got Vermont up in the up in New England and the District of Columbia. Gotcha. And then Hawaii. But Alaska, for some reason, doesn't have it. Yeah. Interesting. You would think a state like Alaska yeah. would... The wide open spaces and limited population mail-in would be suitable. Agree. I guess. But then again, I guess that's kind of a dual, a double-edged sword. The, the same problems you would have getting to a polling location, you would have getting the ballot to them. That's true. Everybody I thought lived in Anchorage and in Juneau, but I'm, I'm, well, that's the major population yeah. centers. Yeah. But there's whole Discovery Channel series of people that just rough it yep. in the Alaskan wilderness. Yeah. Uh, not a bad life, honestly. So on the ceasefire text line, regardless who wins, a state record voter turnout would be a win for the state of Mississippi. What I've heard thus far from uh, those in the circuit clerk positions is that absentee voting right now is trailing where it was in 19. You heard that as yeah. well? So that usually foretells low turnout on election day. Not necessarily. But typically, there's a correlation there. We'll see how that ends up. I agree. I will give you eight points, 53-45, uh, with 5-1 to one odds, $100 to $20. We don't bet. <laughs> that's on the ceasefire text line. It, it's, um, I think that's reasonable prediction as well, honestly. We shall see. Ricky and Aberdeen says Presley and Reeves were both on WTBA this morning. I saw that. You're right. Thank you for that, Ricky. How do you request a location you should find out and broadcast it? Talking about uh, Presley's schedule for today, and that's been fairly typical in the schedules that have been released by the party. I'm fairly certain it's just an email. Like, you get the email with the itinerary, and then you email them back saying, Hey, I'm going to be in such and such. I'd like to meet him. I wonder what would happen if I personally requested it since I am the recipient of the email. Do you think they kind of know who I am and would... Well, it depends on who receives that email. I guess so. Is it a higher up in the campaign? Well, they might know who you I are. Mean, if, if it's I were, an intern just running the thing, then nah, I don't that's, know. That's probably true. The, I mean, the the sender is press at brandonpresley.com, but then the press release, which, of course, um, discusses the schedule, is uh, from a Catherine Kurz, a K-U-R-Z, Catherine at BrandonPresley.com. Interesting. Presley 
wheels up talking about his schedule that pretty much requires a jet to get from from uh, Moss Point to Iuka. I mean, that's one corner of the state to another, virtually. I mean, the, I guess you could say if he were in the the western corner of uh, Hancock as opposed to Jackson County, that would be a little further. I don't know. I have to look at it on a map. It's pretty close, though, honestly. It's going the full length of the state. It's still a coast-to-coast sort of deal, border-to-border, no doubt about that. Uh, and if there's two hours between those events... A motor vehicle won't get you there, I don't think. Not even a NASCAR. That's right. We're coming right back after Fox News and Super Talk News with Jeremy England, the senator, speaking of which, from Jackson County. Stay with us. And now, now. another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Middays is back with you. Uh, Just one little... Something I got to get to here. I was talking about Brandon Presley jetting, traveling from Moss Point to Iuka, uh, according to his schedule tomorrow. There are two hours between those events, which would require a jet travel and uh, to to go that distance and make the appointed time. On the ceasefire text line, someone says, land a jet in Iuka. I'm laughing. Well, there is a municipal field, Iuka Airport, and I just looked at its specifications being an instrument-rated pilot. I do know a little bit about that, and uh, the the runway is more than sufficient to accommodate a small jet. It's uh, the same width and just a few hundred feet less in length than where I fly out of, which is Bruce Campbell Field in Madison, and I can assure you that it can accommodate uh, numerous different models of small jets. But I know it sounds crazy. You wouldn't think you'd have an airport like that in Iuka, but you do. It's runway 119, by the way. It's 3517 in uh, Madison. But we welcome to the program. We're digressing a little bit, but it's a it's a reasonable a reasonable comment. And I know you probably think you can't land a jet in Iuka, but but in fact they do have uh, sufficient facilities to do so. We got Senator Jeremy England uh, on the line. Uh, he represents Mississippi's District 51, serves as the vice chair of the Senate Judd B. Committee. Thanks for coming on there, Senator. Good to see you. Yeah, thank you, Gerard. Glad to be here. Well, we've been talking about elections tomorrow, the big day, right? We've got uh, general elections. We've been, of course, focusing on the top of the ticket. Let's talk about your race. Do you have one? Yeah, so, yeah I do have a race, Gerard. Yeah, I have two opponents on the race uh, this election. I've got a Green Party candidate and a Libertarian candidate. Okay. Uh, and I would appreciate the people of, of District 51 showing up and voting for me. I think we've had a great uh, great four years. And, look, while you give me the opportunity, I'll mention that, that Moss Point is in my, my district. 
uh, the great city of Moss Point. We have yeah. a great airport there, thanks to uh, Governor mm-hmm. Tate Reeves and everybody that's been uh, been helpful with building that airport up. So I, I have no uh, no doubt that Brandon Preston will have a great trip uh, in and out of Moss Point, thanks to uh, Republican leadership uh, helping us with a great, great airport there in the city of Moss Point. You're right. I've actually flown into there before, and uh, it was to it was to see Brandon High School play Moss Point. This has been a while now. It's been a minute. I want to say in the South Mississippi Championship or something to that effect in football to advance. Um, right. It, it was quite. Do you remember that game? It's quite the game. Brandon was strong. Moss Point was incredible. Had an unbelievable defense, as I recall. I'm not sure Brandon scored a point in the game. Yeah, look, Jackson County's always had great football teams, Moss Point Tigers being one of them. I mean, the pride that they have there in that town. Uh, so I'm glad you got to come into to Trent Lott Airport and, exactly and right. come down and see a game right there on the river. Probably one of the prettiest football uh, locations to play football right there uh, on the Escataba River in, in the River City. I mean, it's such a such a great community with probably one of the, some of the prettiest property in the state of Mississippi, Gerard, no doubt. It's awesome. All right, so we need people to get out to the uh, to the polls tomorrow and cast their ballot for Senator Jeremy England, my good friend, who's done a fantastic job serving in the state Senate, uh, and we need him back in there again. So let's talk about the governor's race. Thank you. Which, of course, uh, features our, our present governor, Governor Tate Reeves, Republican, mm-hmm. and uh, his uh, challenger. Uh, primary challenger, of course. Uh, primary is in principle, I should say, not as in the primary election. That being Democrat candidate Brandon Presley. Now, there's been a lot of fireworks in, in this campaign, without a doubt. In the the uh, single um, debate we had last week was really a lot of back-and-forth barbing. Uh, but they, they have a different vision for the state of Mississippi, and they come down differently with respect to policy matters. And, you know, for me, I, I want to see the governor get reelected. I think he's done a great job in his first term, and I've talked to him, and he knows that there's plenty of work left to do. And that's why we need to get him back in there to continue on the progress that's been made. What are you hearing in your neck of the woods there, Senator? Yeah. Gerard, I think I think Governor Tate Reeves is going to do great down here on the coast. Uh, again, like you mentioned, we've got to get out and vote. Uh, but just this year, we had $44 million invested from Restore Act funds uh, here on the Gulf Coast. I already mentioned Trent Lott Airport and how great that's doing. The that's infrastructure awesome. is great. Um, you know, teachers are being paid more. Uh, when I went to a legislative conference in Nashville, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, everybody came up to me and said, hey, tell me about this Mississippi miracle, about what you guys are doing for reading scores in, in Mississippi. And and look, we're all paying lo- less taxes than we were uh, four years ago. A lot of that, most of that, thanks to uh, the leadership of Governor Tate Reeves. So this this shouldn't really even be a close election. And Gerard, I'm not sure it will be, especially if we show up and vote. Uh, but here in Mississippi, uh, we're a red state. Conservative Republicans know that the national media, uh, the national Democrat Party, they're really good at trying to frame a narrative. And I think they're trying to do that here. But we've got to we've got to cut through that. We've got to go out and vote uh, tomorrow. If what we know is is a, a positive thing we're seeing here in Mississippi under Republican leadership. Yeah. You know, Mr. Presley has certainly tried to to uh, hold himself as, as socially moderate, if not socially uh, conservative. And he said that he's pro-life and that he opposes uh, boys playing in female sports and he opposes uh, gender uh, sex change surgery for minors, all things which were accomplished 
during the uh, during the Reeves uh, term. Uh, but as as the governor has rightly pointed out, and some other sources as well, Mr. Presley has taken significant campaign contributions for people that don't share those same beliefs. And you you got to wonder, will he be beholden to them once elected? That's right. Look, our national Democrats don't like Mississippi, right? We're holding the line on, on very socially conservative issues. The, the, the Dobbs case was a Mississippi case that, that uh, overthrew Roe v. Wade. That was a great thing. Uh, Democrats want to see that, um, you know, see Mississippi hurt for that, uh, quite frankly. And, and, Brandon Presley can get on TV. He can do these all shucks. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a good Mississippi conservative Democrat. But you know what? Those just don't exist anymore. The national Democrats don't let that exist anymore. They don't, uh, you know, you might have moderate Republicans and you're going to have very conservative Republicans, but you don't even have moderate Democrats anymore. So we can't be fooled. Uh, if, if it comes to, to needing to stand the line against a Democrat party and a federal government trying to force, uh, uh, liberal social issues in Mississippi, we don't need a Democrat governor, uh, and we can't trust a Democrat governor to stand in that gap and stand on the line and tell them no. Uh, that, that's why we need a, a Republican governor now more than ever. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, uh, and you know, I know you've probably encountered some people that, uh, let's say, maybe didn't support the governor in the last cycle, in the primary, in 19. But they, of course, uh, then supported him. Um, in the general election, and and you know some of these are still sort of stinging from that, and, and and they've kind of proclaimed that they're they're not going to vote for the governor, but yet their policy um, positions are more in alignment with his than they are uh, Mr. Presley. You know, my feeling is, uh, and see what you think about this, senators, that y- you you may feel good about casting that vote for about thirty minutes. You know, and then reality sets in, and then he takes office, and it's like, no, 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 this isn't really what I signed up for. So you got to think more long term and not short term. Uh, you know, save your pound of flesh if that's your feeling and that if that's your opinion, that's your goal. Save that for later. Let, let's get the right person there in the office. That, that's right, and like I said, now more than ever, that's that's important. Uh, again. If you just look at the record that we have established here and where we're going, I can't tell you how great it was to have folks from other states, uh, legislators from other states, come and want to hear what we're doing right in Mississippi. Um, and that happens every time I meet with legislators from other states. They say, hey, look, we're hearing great things out of Mississippi. And that starts from the top down with Republican leadership. And I don't think Tate Reeves is a, you know, a hold your nose and go vote for this candidate. I think he's a good I, conservative I governor. I know yeah, I know he's been a, a great uh, governor for the Mississippi Gulf Coast, uh, and I can say that as a, as a coast legislator. Uh, he's been probably the best we've ever seen in the governor's mansion, and we just can't ignore that, and we can't be upset about, oh, well, my guy didn't win in the last election, and, uh, you know, we really – politics can't – can't do that. We can't let it be that type of a, a team sport. And historically, when you get a supermajority, that tends to develop. We've got to to not let that happen here in Mississippi. We've got to look at the positives. We've got to look at the people who are in place 
making these positive things happen, and we need to we need to make sure they get reelected uh, tomorrow when we go to the polls. Yeah, that's well said. Appreciate it, Senator. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll be checking in, I'm sure, again. But tomorrow's a big old day. Everybody get out and vote for my friend Jeremy England, and, uh, and of course, Jeremy making his case for putting the governor back in the governor's mansion for another four years. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Gerard. Congrats to your Rebels yesterday. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. Saturday, right. <laughs> exactly. We're coming right back, folks. Thank you. Oh, oh baby. Oh, baby. Well, well. Well, well. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do With you in the Element Well studio, it is Monday, so we got Ricky Matthews Super Talk Outdoors in store for you at 12 o'clock. And don't forget, once again, we'll have uh, complete election uh, night coverage tomorrow night. Be some folks in here in the studio. I'll be right here in this seat. <laughs> Kicking off at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, and it'll go until question mark. There you go. Richard It's always Cross. a good party when you got question marks is the second time. <laughs> He'll be in the chair. I know Henry Barber is coming on as well to provide analysis. Ought to be fun. A lot of stuff going on. And once again, let's tell the folks, Rhino, we got some new gadgets that are going to get you the information quicker than you can get it anywhere else in terms of results. Yeah, basically, if you watch Fox or CNN or MSNBC or whatever, they are looking at the information that we have access to, and we are going to provide you access to that information with up to the second updated maps and polling as the election wraps up tomorrow yeah so while returns are coming in we're all over it and check out our website supertalk.fm slash results we saw a preview of what uh the layout's going to look like there the interface it looks good it's going to be really cool um interactive map etc going to be really neat so you can focus on the races in your neck of the woods as well as the statewide races the district races good stuff good job they're doing you know, I have uh, something else that made me think about that with respect to our news department. I've been promising the folks a, a piece on PERS, the Public Employees Retirement System. I did complete that last week, um, Wednesday, I believe, and forwarded it to our news director, J.T. Mitchell. And so we decided we're going to publish it on Wednesday so the folks will know. Now, Wednesday, you know, we'll be talking about the election, uh, but I'll let you know as well. About that, we will be in the studio broadcasting middays. Um, warning, folks, it's 2,600 words. So it's a little wordy, it's a little lengthy, but I think you'll find that it, it reads pretty quick and it's it doesn't get just crazy wonky and real simple. I can share it with you. I, I kind of broke it down into 
sort of uh, logical categories of discussion. How did we get here? That's number one. And I go through some analysis there and then uh, what can be done. Just like I've said, you got to raise revenue, cut expenses, or a combination of two. Here's how you can raise revenue. Here's how you can cut expenses. And then I wrap up by saying these are kind of what I believe are the scenarios that are most likely in order of likelihood and a little commentary on that. So I I sure hope that uh, folks will read it. And in particular, I know members of our legislature and um, our statewide leaders I hope they will take a look. A couple have said they look forward to reading it and digesting it, and and they know that they're going to have to take some action. And this is going to play in big to the uh, the plans our legislature has from a revenue and spending perspective, which is always top of mind down there at the Capitol. It's going to play in, into it pretty big. Just a, a, a quick review of where the candidates stand on the issues Tax policy is a, is a big one. You guys know that the governor supports full el- elimination of the state income tax. He's achieved a fair amount of savings for Mississippians. Uh, he reports it as $1.2 billion in tax relief for Mississippians since he's been in office. And that includes, of course, elimination of the 3% ba- bracket. And um, we had some other tax reforms while he was lieutenant governor, eliminating the dumbest tax ever invented, the franchise tax, thank goodness. And uh, and also immediate expensing, which was passed in the last, and that affects businesses. It's a very positive reform for businesses. And that happened in the last session. And he, he's still a proponent of pursuing elimination of the income tax. On the other hand which I personally believe is the best approach to scale Mississippi's economy. When you think about income taxes, of course, or taxes in general, we want the people to have more money in their pocket. We think people can spend their money better than can the government. Uh, I believe, as does the governor, that the best way to boost and bolster Mississippi's economy is to eliminate the income tax on a long-term basis. I'm thinking long-term. And that's what we should be thinking about, future generations as well as the present. Mr. Presley has proposed a couple of different tax reforms. First is to eliminate the sales tax on groceries and then to provide in the, in the form of a credit, an income tax credit, uh, reducing car tags by half. So the way that would work is you'd buy your car tag – and then when you filed your tax return, your income tax return, you would show proof that you bought a car tag, and that would be a tax credit on your tax return. Now, I don't think I've seen any other details, Rhino, about how that would work if you don't have an income tax liability. Because <laughs> under Governor Reeves, honestly, a lot of folks won't have a tax, an income tax liability based on their income when you consider the personal exemptions and standard deduction and all that stuff. And then, of course, the first $10,000 no of taxable income after you take those standard deductions, no longer taxable in Mississippi. So I don't know how a credit works unless his plan, Mr. Presley's plan, is to structure it as a refundable credit 
the way federal government refundable credits work. Even if you don't have a tax liability, govern, the government still sends you a check. And then on education, the governor, of course, has touted his record there, which is an impressive one. Lots of improvements on a na- ga- gaining national attention. The so-called Mississippi miracle, that's what the New York Times called it. On the other hand, Mr. Presley says we need more money for education. Health care, of course, that's pretty much come down to Medicaid expansion. That is a, uh, that's a long topic we've talked about quite a bit. I, I'm sitting down and starting to write um, an article on health care in Mississippi. Some ideas I have on uh, how to address those issues that are an alternative, an option to just pure Medicaid expansion that I think would produce better outcomes. So uh, you take me doing some research, take me a little while on that, and I'll let you guys know. And um, just just something that I was motivated to do. Crime, of course, the governor is um, a staunch supporter of law enforcement and against crime, and understands safety is critical to the well-being and prosperity of our citizens. The big difference here is that under Governor Reeves, the Capitol Complex Improvement District was created. That's House Bill 1020. Gosh, we talked about that till the old cows come home, did we, Rhino, when that was being deliberated? Mr. Presley opposes it, and he basically said that uh, he wouldn't want to have state officials telling him how to run the police department while he was a mayor, which he points out regularly, of the small town of Nettleton. And he he also refers to his family's law enforcement experience. His uncle was killed while serving as sheriff of Lee County. So they they differ in uh, in in mainly around the Capitol Complex Improvement District. And you know I don't think for a minute the governor or any conservative Republicans wanted to do what they ended up doing. But city of Jackson was out of control. It's still out of control. Honestly, it's going to take a while for all that to, to meld. It's still a problem. Uh, why do we have this moral decay in our capital city? When you're committing crime, it's immoral. Let's be honest about it. And it's ridiculous. And even the, uh, even the citizens of Jackson, they're crying out for help. Heck, our mayor and city council don't seem to be able to get anything done. The police department is grossly understaffed. And so... I think the governor saw fit to say, we've got to do something. This is crazy. And, and that, I fully believe, goes against his conservative bona fides of limited government and government being most effective when it's done close to the people, like at the municipal level, just as he believes, as, as conservatives believe, that the federal government should be limited. And Man, how did we stray away from that thing so big? Those original, the original idea of federalism as conceived of by our founders, they got that right off the bat. And then on gender issues, they both say that uh, they're, they're in the same camp here. You know, we had the, the REAP Act, R-E-A-P. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but that prevents physicians from providing gender sex change surgery on minors. That was passed into law in Mississippi. Regulate experimental adolescent procedures. Thank you. Um, Mr. Presley says he would not push to overturn either the Fairness Act, which deals with boys playing in girls' sports, signed into law by the governor, or the REPAC. So no really big change there. 
those are the main issues. We're coming right back with half an hour on middays in the Element Well studio. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. We are live in the Element Well studio. So, in the prior segment, I was just doing a download of where the two candidates for governor stand on the various high-profile issues. Uh, Something I did want to point out, Mr. Presley is a bit of a unicorn in his his, uh, stance, at least those he has communicated on the issues of abortion and on the issue, the, the gender ideology issue, the Fairness Act, the REAP Act, as we described in the prior segment, passed into law into Mississippi. He claims, of course, where he stands on that. He's pro-life on uh, abortion, and he at least is stating, and he's running ads like crazy that are... Uh, communicating his stance on these gender issues. However, this is something that we, we've pointed out before on the program, Rhino. He has accepted millions of dollars of contributions into his campaign from people who do not have the same view on those issues. And, of course, it, it's it's always reasonable to question his uh, his loyalty to those issues once elected should he be elected they're looking for something in return and i believe it's for him to champion their causes and that's what we should all be concerned about so we uh we bring onto the program now a uh an unscheduled guest but we're happy to have her join us anyhow that's senator angela hill represents district 40 serves as the chair of the senate county affairs committee senator hill thanks for calling in Hey, glad to be with you today. You bet. So uh, I, I assume you uh, were listening and hearing me um, analyze the candidates on the various uh, issues, what I consider to be the high-profile issues. You you got some thoughts? I did have some thoughts. Um, you know, I've, I've I've read a little bit on social media, and I have um, I've, I've seen what people have put on social media, and they've talked about. Um, that the governor doesn't have any powers other than veto power, and that the governor is a weak position. And I want to come on here and set the record straight that that's not nearly all the powers that the governor has. The governor has broad emergency powers. Um, look what happened to the blue states during COVID. Um, the governor also has uh, many, many appointments. Yep. that he could make, including the appointment of a United States senator in case something were to happen to to one of our senators, that they would have to step down or that they would have that they would get ill. Um, the governor has executive power to create executive orders. 
Um, so the governor can affect our everyday lives in many, many ways that I think Republicans, independents, libertarians probably would not want to live under some of the things that a Democrat governor um, would have the potential to do. And, and we saw Louisiana really hurt under John Bell Williams. I live five miles from the state line. I know how bad it got in Louisiana under a Democrat governor. And Mississippi can't afford that. People cannot afford to stay home and, and sit this one out because they're mad about this or they're mad about that. This is bigger than one person. This is about how a Democrat leading the state of Mississippi can put a Democrat over Capitol Police over the Department of Public Safety, over the Department of Environmental Quality. Um, just stop and think about how who is leading an agency um, reflects on the policies. Look at who Joe Biden has put over HHS, who Joe Biden has put over um, the banking situation. Uh, look at Janet Yellen. Look at Look at uh, Rachel Levine. Look at all the things and how those policies, those Democrat policies, come down through those agencies and through those agency heads. And people that think that electing a Democrat governor is not going to make that much difference in Mississippi, well, I want to sell you a piece of oceanfront property in Arizona. Yeah, there's no doubt, and thanks for pointing that out. And, you know, something that we've uh, shared here on the program, before I say that, uh, I, I know you meant John Bell Edwards and not John former Bell. Governor John Bell John Williams, Bell. but yeah. John Bell Edwards, yeah. yeah Louisiana. No, no problem. Um, I, I just want to make sure the audience uh, was clear on that, but thank you. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Something that the governor has pointed out in a couple of speeches I've attended, and we've shared that here on the program, uh, God forbid, we don't want anything to ever happen to any any U.S. senator sitting in office, but certainly nobody can predict the future. But in the state of Mississippi, that it is correct that it would be incumbent upon and under the power of the governor to appoint um, a replacement should a seat be vacated. And what Governor Reeves have said is you'd be looking at Senator Benny Thompson should that occur. Now, that would be disastrous, disastrous. I can think of yeah, nobody uh, worse to represent Mississippi yeah. in the U.S. Senate than Congressman Benny Thompson. Yeah. Do, do Republicans really want the head of the January 6th commission being the United States <laughs> senator for Mississippi? Yeah, I totally agree. And you, you rightly point out uh, the governor uh, is vested with broad power in appointments. I mean, you know this, Senator, uh, and I, I serve on a, a board that's appointed by the governor. It, that's a full-time job of just one resource in the governor's office that does nothing but manage the governor's appointments, work with the governor just to make sure, because it's constant, as you well know, besides these boards, agency heads as well, uh, including Medicaid and the Department of Public Service, where Governor Presley, uh, Governor Presley, no, 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 shame on me, uh, candidate Presley has said, uh, should he be elected governor, he would, he would, uh, uh, day one, fire Drew Snyder at Medicaid and Sean Tindall at Department of Public Safety, who have been fantastic in those positions, and appoint someone of his liking, he says someone who carried a badge at DPS and a, a physician, a bona fide physician in Medicaid, 
which is not necessary and honestly probably not the best choice and the best background for those positions. You're right about that. And these boards, you think about Department of Education, where the governor has half the selections of the board there, who make education policy. IHL, governor owns all those appointments, the, uh, the, the body that governs the institutions of higher learning in our state. Exactly. And, and you know, Brandon Presley's out there basically telling everybody that Medicaid expansion is going to save the rural hospitals. Well, there are states that have expanded Medicaid but also have rural hospitals that are still, uh, they say, are on the verge of closing. And the federal government has even passed a new Medicaid scheme because they know that Medicaid expansion is not going to save the hospitals. The federal government has come out with a new payment scheme for hospitals, if the ones that don't have any census, they're trying to keep all these beds open because they're trying to keep all these people employed. They're using it for a, for a local employment agency. The federal government under Joe Biden has even presented a new Medicaid payment scheme to encourage these hospitals to move to outpatient and emergency room because even Joe Biden knows that Medicaid expansion can't keep all these employees working in this hospital when they don't have any patients on the inpatient wards. Well, the- the problem is, de- yeah, it's definitely bigger. It's it's a much much bigger problem than Medicaid expansion. I can also uh, communicate this. It's not just rural hospitals. Our urban hospitals are hurting too. This is a this yeah. is a nationwide problem that's way bigger than just Medicaid. Uh, but it exactly. is true that we have a very high percentage of our population that is uninsured and that is still receiving benefits for which they're not paying. So that we had we got to have a discussion about how do we fix that problem aside from just Medicaid expansion. It's not true what Brandon Presley says. The Democrats say, "Oh yeah, just expand Medicaid and and you've cured it." That's not true. Uh, no. But but we we need and to have a meaningful those, discussion about it. Most sure. of those people, most of those people that they're talking about putting on Medicaid, the able-bodied working people, if they don't have coverage now, they can already go on that marketplace and get a subsidy. Whether they whether can. we like whether we like how that was created or not, I have no problem with a safety net for somebody that's separated from their employment, loses their coverage or whatever. I wasn't for somebody that just decided they weren't going to pay for insurance, and then when they get sick, all of a sudden they're going to go get insurance. But for people that that separate from employment, get sick, have to quit their job, lose their coverage, or if they're working and their employer doesn't have an employer plan, they still can go to that marketplace and get get a subsidy. I think you can make Ninety-nine thousand dollars with a family of three, and if you don't go over that, you can still get the subsidy. So, there's stuff already out there um, that yep. that that they're saying that these people that need Medicaid expansion, there's already something out there to cover them. Yep. Well, we appreciate you calling in. We, we're up against a break right now. We thank you so much, and we'll uh, we'll be on the lookout for the results tomorrow. Thanks a lot, Senator. Thanks, Gerard. We're coming right back, folks, with the final segment of Middays, and then it's Ricky Matthews with Super Talk Outdoors.
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays, back with you. Tina says, let's keep it red, Mississippi, on the C Spire text line. And big thing is, is you got to get out and vote. And, of course, like most elections, especially elections that are, at least at this point, thought to be fairly close, it's going to come down to who gets out and votes, who gets their, who motivates their base the best to get out and vote. The uh, The whole subject of health care is so dang complicated, and there's so many moving parts and lots of thoughts and views and analyses, and they're, they're all good, and they're all valid uh, for the most part. Um, I think it is a mistake for the Presley campaign to try to reduce that issue down to one matter, and that's Medicaid expansion. I, I don't believe for a minute that that will resolve the core problems in the economic headwinds the industry is facing. Um, Cleveland Clinic last year lost a billion two. Now, they got little or no uncompensated care, and a very small number of patients in their payer mix who are Medicaid. But they have lots of Medicare, lots of commercial. Still lost a billion, too. Now, you wouldn't think that about a prominent. And they're not in rural areas. So it's this is not a, a, a problem that only plagues rural hospitals. Also, just out of curiosity, I wanted to see how the Mayo Clinic, you, you probably put those, would you not? top in the nation, in the world, honestly. Mayo Clinic reported a $535 million profit. Now, on the surface, that looks handsome. That looks positive, except it's half of last year's profit. Now, if they were a public company, and and a public company experienced a decline in net income, by 50%, their stock would be pennies. Unless they've got a concrete, believable plan to solve that problem going forward. And right now, their guidance doesn't suggest that. So, And I'm just pointing out that this is a way bigger problem than just Medicaid and, uh, and whether or not the state expands Medicaid. What we should be talking about is, okay, how do we get coverage? And and what the senator said is something, Rhino, you know, I started talking about two years ago, which is why aren't we encouraging people who would otherwise be eligible for Medicaid, should the state expand it, to obtain coverage in the exchanges, where now, and and this is something that most in our, our legislature were unaware of, it kind of happened a, a bit secretly, under the American Rescue Plan. I say secretly, it didn't have a lot of fanfare in it. And then it got extended in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is not a place you would expect to see such policy. And that is that the the entire subsidy structure changed 
rather materially, such that a household with income less than 150% of the federal poverty level can obtain coverage in the exchange for zero-cost premium. They are responsible for up to $3,000 of out-of-pocket costs. Here's the problem with it, though, and I and I do absolutely believe and agree with the senator, and, and I have shared this sentiment with Commissioner Mike Cheney, insurance commissioner, as well, that why aren't we encouraging people to seek the exchanges for coverage as opposed to to just having this fight about Medicaid expansion. Because and it's actually more generous than Medicaid in that it covers households with up to 150% of the federal poverty level. Medicaid's 133. So why are we pushing that, promoting that? Well, I, I found that most people just aren't aware of it. And again, it's because it happened without a lot, a lot of promotion. It was kind of buried in the American Rescue Plan and then um, extended in the Inflation Reduction Act, where the focus was on these silly green energy credits, and that was kind of a minor provision of it. But here's the problem. The coverage that is available in the exchange in most states, including Mississippi, it's not that the coverage is bad in terms of what medical services and treatments are, are insured. It's that the network of providers that accept that insurance is quite small. And you end up having to drive a long way to find a provider that accepts that coverage. We could, I believe, solve the problem by of the uninsured in our state, which is a problem. Um, and we rank among the top, I think the fourth in the at worst in the country in terms of the uninsured as a percent of population. We could solve that problem by figuring out a way to fix the exchange. I'm talking about fix the uninsured problem. We need to either extend the networks that um, accept the coverage sold, or we need those who do have a an expansive network, a pervasive network to sell coverage in the exchange, one or the other. That doesn't get talked about, and it should, in my view. But the Queen of Soul is bumping us out here. We are out of time today because it's Monday's Fox News, Super Talk News up next, and then it's Ricky Matthews Outdoors. Get out and vote tomorrow. I'll be with you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.